I want to speak to you this morning about being prepared. God has prepared many things in the realms of heaven and earth. They've been set and established for all eternity. But it took preparation and, and it has purpose. And God is preparing us as a people. And so I want to share this message with you as to what has been prepared and what God is asking us to prepare in these days. So turn with me to Matthew chapter 25 where we are taken to a scene of the great judgment of the Lord Jesus Christ when he is judging the nations. And in Matthew 25 he says this in verse 34. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The king prepared for you since the creation of the world. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. So there's a kingdom that we're going to participate in that was prepared when? Very good, you're listening. Before the world began. So there's a kingdom that God wants us to partake in. It was prepared, it was his plan before the physical universe and creation was even made. That it was his plan that we would partake in his kingdom. Now, let's go down a little further in verse 41. The king then addresses another group of folks and he says, Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, ye cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Now, there is a place of punishment and torment called Gehenna in Hebrew. Uh, It is the lake of fire. We know it as hell. That was prepared as well, wasn't it? Now, what was that prepared for? The devil and his angels, all right? A lot of people ask this question, how could a loving God send people to hell? Well, the response to that is this, that God did not create hell for people. Who was it created for? You just read it. It was prepared for the devil and his angels. So let's talk a little bit about hell and its design, how it was established. Now, if it was made for fallen angels, the angelic realm that had left their first estate, left the Lord Jesus Christ, it had to be designed to hold them, contain them, because they're nasty critters. You do not want them to escape, right? I mean, they're eternal beings, aren't they? They will exist forever. They are at the depth of all depravity. They are wicked and evil, the father of all lies. So you need to build a containment center that's going to hold them because there is coming a day when God is going to rid all of his created universe, spiritual and physical, from all remnant of rebellion and sin. And to do that, he had to have a place to contain all the evil and sin, correct? And so he needed a place to put it. Now, I don't know exactly how you contain spirits and demons, right? Um, In our language, in the language of earth and in the language of the physical realm, those who have seen it, those prophets, and and in fact, Jesus explains it, and he uses the example of Gehenna, which is a valley right on the other side of the temple mountain in Jerusalem. Uh, Gehenna was the valley of Tophet, and and in that valley is where uh, God had cursed Israel because they had sacrificed their children to false gods. 
And so he cursed that valley and called it Gehenna. And in fact, it was the place where they would dispose of the carcasses that were offered in the sacrifice unto God in the temple. So when they would offer a burnt offering and burn it on fire, when they were done with it, they would take that smoldering carcass, throw it over the side of the hill into Gehenna. So that's literally not the spot where demons and Satan are going to dwell. It's like that. Uh, Jesus said it is like fire and sulfur and darkness. But I don't know if it's literally physically going to be fire and sulfur and darkness. Uh, I'm thinking it's like that. But I'm thinking that our language can't even express what it is really in totality. That's a scary thought, isn't it? But is it that fire is the thing that contains demonic forces and it's the thing that locks them and holds them I don't know you don't know either so (laughs) but it's this concept that it is something in in the created realm that will keep these spirits locked in eternity isn't that a fascinating concept and God prepared it he had made it for the rebellion of Satan and all those who will rebel in sin with him And so it was never designed for mankind. What was designed for mankind, as we read this, prepared before the beginning of time? What was designed for us? A kingdom with God. Amen? But something messed up. How many of you know that? Somebody messed up. And uh, that created a problem. And so what happened, we see it as told in Genesis that there was relationship between God and man, Adam and Eve. There was fellowship. The Word of God walked in the garden in the cool of the day. And as there was fellowship, something broke there. Something broke in the preparation for that fellowship. And in the preparation for that fellowship, Adam and Eve chose to identify self instead of God. They chose, chose self-will instead of God's will. And that broke the preparation for eternity, didn't it? That what God had established. Now, thank the Lord, He did something very special. He put an angel in front of the garden, didn't He? So that Adam and Eve, He kicked them out of house and home. You could say they ate themselves out of house and home. He kicked them out of house and home. He put an angel there. They couldn't get back, could they? And do you know why? God was doing that so that they would not eat of the tree of life. He was doing that for our salvation. He was doing that to secure our hope that there is a plan and a preparation to reestablish what was broken in connection between heaven and man. So he put an angel there so they could not return. And so what had become broken in the preparation for mankind to join God in His kingdom, it had fallen apart. And so now we fast forward, if you will. Paradise was lost. The door was shut. Hell was never meant for man. Turn with me to John 14 and see that there is a plan established. It's a secret plan no one knew about. Believe me, God is never taken by surprise. He knew all of this was going to take place. So turn with me to John chapter 14. The time I should. 
there. John 14, verse 1. Let's read what Jesus says. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Now, I have to stop there. I was taken by this verse just the other day. When you consider Jesus talking to Jewish believers who believe in Yahweh, Jehovah, and he tells them, the same faith you have in Jehovah, now put in me. That's a pretty mighty tall order, isn't it? This is one of the biggest issues of the New Testament. This is the struggle of the New Testament when you consider that when Paul is preaching the gospel to the Jews and, and he's preaching this good news that Jesus is the Messiah, this is the struggle of the New Testament. Jews who are saying, we once believed in Yahweh as our salvation, you now want us to believe that Jesus is the Son of God, Jesus is God in the flesh, right? This is, this is hard to, to trust. Jesus right there says, as you believe in God, believe also in me. If it were not so, I would have told you. Now listen to this. I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am, you may dwell also. And I want to get that feature right there. Here's another preparation. I go to prepare a place for you. This place was what God had prepared all along. It was the place of the kingdom of God that he wanted us to be there, to join him with. It had, that bridge got broken, that doorway failed, and it was now protected that man could not go there. God had saved mankind over and over so that Christ could prepare or repair the breach between heaven and earth. Thank God. He, he saved the family, Noah and his family, as the seed of man had become corrupt and all of man's thoughts became evil and wicked, that God saved Noah in an ark and that showed us Jesus, that he would save us unto salvation for that day when Christ would prepare the way again for us to reach God. And so I want you to see what it means for Jesus to have prepared the way. Let me help you understand it. In Isaiah 58, verse 12, you can write this down and read it later. He said, and your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. Now, I, I, he's talking to Israel, but I believe that this verse prophetically goes all the way back before time to the plans and purposes. The ancient ruins was that kingdom that we were to partake in, that we had failed and broke down. He said, it'll be re rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundation of many generations, and you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. Jesus is going to restore the breach between man and God once again. His eternal purposes that God had set forward. Look at Isaiah chapter 40. I want you to understand. Well, you know this verse. You, you know its meaning. You've heard it before. It says this in Isaiah 40 verse 3. In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. So I want you to understand what it means to prepare. Because Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And we gloss over that real quick. And, and I want you to understand what it means. To prepare a place is, in the Hebrew mindset, is just this, as found in Isaiah 40. In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up. Every mountain and hill will be made low, and the uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places smooth. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken this. 
Isn't that? So this, this is the thing. This is what it means to prepare. That which is too low needs to be raised up. It's a Hebrew concept. In the, in the Old Testament, when a king was going to come visit your city, you would go out and prepare the road for the king's entrance. You didn't want potholes. Some of you wonder why God doesn't visit Detroit. Because we haven't made the way straight. <laughs> but, but anyways, in, in the Old Testament, so, you know, these guys that would, they'd go prepare the way. So what they, they got orange cones on their camels and they'd go out there and they'd set out their orange cones and, and they'd set traffic aside. People would wait, sit on their camels and wait, come on, what's going on? And they'd take asphalt and put it in the holes. All right, really didn't happen that way, but I'm giving you a picture, an illustration. What is low needs to be raised. What is high needs to be brought down. What's crooked needs to be straight. And so prepare ye the way of the Lord. And John the Baptist is preparing Israel for, for whom actually? Messiah. But the verse says, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. And in our English Bible, whenever you see all caps for the word Lord, it stands for Jehovah or Yahweh. John's out there preaching, prepare the way for Yahweh. Prepare the way for Jehovah. Who was he preparing the way for? Jesus. Again, another reference where Jesus said, if you believe in God, believe also in me. Here is another reference where Jesus is Jehovah's salvation. That's what Yeshua, Jesus, means. He is Jehovah's salvation. And how, was, how were they doing that? Were they out in the desert making roads straight for Jesus? No. What was John having them make straight? Their hearts, their lives. Where you lack in faith, bring it up. Where you are haughty in pride, bring it down. Where you are off in sin or crooked, straighten it up. Get ready, because Messiah is coming. God is doing a work. Amen? Prepare for what God wants to do. And here we are on the last night of that meal, on the last night of the, the Lord's Supper, and Jesus says, I am going to prepare a place for you. And so Jesus literally was going to prepare or mend the breach of God's plan of salvation that man had failed in. And what does that mean for Jesus to repair and prepare that salvation for all of mankind? It means that he's got to go to the lowest depths of humanity and rise it up. He's got to go to the highest offices and lower them. He's got to go into all that is crooked and broken and straighten it out so that we can have a way back to God again. That's what Jesus was doing. That's why we gather and celebrate and sing songs to Him and thank Him. He who knew no sin became sin. Why? So that we might become the righteousness of God. There's an exchange here. How many of you are do-it-yourselfers? Anybody here a DIY? You're a DIY guy, right? How many of you ever try and do something yourself? And then you called the plumber to fix what you just... Right? Your wife looks at it and goes, nice try, honey. Click, 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 hello. Right? How many of you ever wanted to fix something that was broken, and so you set aside 100 bucks, and then after you spent 600 you realized it's not worth it? What was the cost for Jesus to prepare the way? I go to prepare a place for you. Well, how is Jesus going to prepare a place? 
A lot of us think, well, he went to heaven. That's nice. Jesus went to heaven and he made a bed for us. No, what does it say? He said, I go to prepare a place for you. And he said this, for in my father's house are what? Many mansions. Many rooms. Depends on what translation you're using. The King James uses mansions. And so what happens with our English language, we get that in our head and we think, I'm going to get a mansion. Right? And we don't like the newer translation. It says a room. I want a mansion. I don't want a room. And then... Some people think that, you know, based on this, at, at how, how good you are and what you do for Jesus, you're going to get a mansion. And then those who don't do much, you're going to get a shed. Isn't that funny? We put it in our earthly terms. We put it in a way where we start saying, yeah, well, I did a lot for Jesus. Where in the Word of God it says, no man shall boast. We're not going to get there and go, hey, look at my house. Uh, that's the best you could do, eh? <laughs> Like the Beverly Hillbillies, you got that big old mansion with the cement pond in the back. You're all set. You think that's great because you did all those good things for Jesus. You see, this is messed up because what it is is it's betrothal language. When Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you, and when he says uh, he's speaking marriage covenant language, he's saying that uh, basically when the bridegroom would marry or become betrothed to a bride in Judaism, he would take the cup of redemption, they would drink, he would leave, promise his word to her, he would leave a gift to her, and then he would say this, and now I'm going to prepare a place for us, for you, at my father's house. Jesus was just using a Jewish idiom when he said, uh, in my father's house are many rooms, I go to prepare a place for you. What he meant was this, that what he's preparing as a place for us is back to that kingdom that he eternally planned to have us in his presence. Now, I don't know if you're particularly going to get a Tudor mansion. Why would God make mansions according to American culture? You know, when you think about it. But that's where our head goes, right? Why, a Georgian mansion from down south. I, I would imagine that wherever you're from, you know, if you're in China and you read this, you're thinking that you're going to get one of them fancy houses with the roofs like that. A lot, of, a lot of places all over the world, they're just happy to get a room, let alone a mansion. But Americans, we love the mansion. Got a Hummer in the front, we're all good. I don't know what all that means. There's a lot of symbology in, in, in this, and, and more than whether you get a big house. The point is, you're in the presence of God. That will satisfy all that we long for. So what did it cost Jesus to prepare a place for us? I mean, this thing was already prepared. Remember, it was prepared before time began, but it was empty. There was no one there. Satan thought that he had, was able to mess up God's eternal plan. He, he, he thought that it was done, all that God had planned. I messed up, man fell, and there was no one in this kingdom for him. Except on earth, those Jews that followed him, those that obeyed him. But when they died, they went to a place that was Abraham's bosom. But they never went into the kingdom promised by God until someone came named Jesus, the Messiah. Let me read to you 2 Corinthians 2.9. 
Paul says, we impart a secret hidden wisdom of God. It was hidden through the ages. No one understood it. Which God decreed before the ages of our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this. For if they had, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. But it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor human heart imagined, what God has prepared for those who love Him. These things God has revealed to us through His Spirit. No one understood what God had done. No one understood that when Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you, they didn't know that he was going to repair the breach that had fallen and that he was going to reunite the eternal purpose of God and uh, mankind to be reunited. When he said, I go to prepare a place, the devil didn't know that when he was taking him to the cross to kill him, that that was the preparation and that was the bridge by which man was going to be restored. He didn't understand that Satan was here. It was not in the eyes of man, in the heart of man to comprehend this. Prophets prophesied, but they didn't get it. No one understood what was going on. So when Jesus said, I go to prepare a place, it cost him everything. He was ready to give everything. I want you to know it was nothing simple or easy. But the cost of restoring man back to God cost God everything. Absolutely everything. He said, I go to prepare a place. What was that plan? It was preparation from Adam and Eve when God said, the seed of the woman shall bruise the serpent's head. But no one understood that was a plan for Messiah. It was the ark in which Noah was saved through the waters. It was a plan by which God was going to save man through Messiah. He, Moses couldn't do it. David couldn't do it. Isaiah couldn't do it. But they all talked about the one who would. But they never understood how. It was a plan that Jesus said, tonight... I go to prepare a way for you. It wasn't just about let's all go to heaven. It was I'm going to the cross. When he was in the garden sweating blood and crying out, he was preparing the way for you and I. Preparing a place for you and I. You and I could never find that place on our own. You and I could never achieve that thing on our own. Only Christ could do it. In Hebrews 10, Jesus says, A body you have prepared for me. Lo, it is written in the book, Bulls and calves you are not pleased with, but a body you've prepared for me. He knew that at that hour he was going. What was prepared for 30 years was a body clean of all sin, now to be offered to a holy God. The cross is what cost Jesus everything. He went to the cross preparing a way for you and I to go. And the way he did it is this. He took all of our sin upon him and upon his body. Our sickness, our infirmities, our disease, our depravity, the filthiest sins of all mankind since he was clean was laid upon him. And then he took, when he said, I'm preparing a way, he then took the wrath of God that was put upon him for sin. He was called accursed because he was hung on a tree and sent outside of Jerusalem. When he said, I'm going to prepare a way, it was a costly preparation. All of this was the preparation for the way for you and I to get to heaven. This is not some small thing. This isn't some simple, easy believism. It cost God everything. As he hung on that tree, then the sky went dark and it went black. And the wrath of God against all sin was poured poured upon His only Son. And Jesus endured it, but it wasn't there. He wasn't done yet. 
The plan that he was preparing was not done. He had to break the power of death. He broke the power of sin by saying it's finished. It's paid for the perfect sacrifice. But then he gave up his life to die for you and I so that he could break the power of death that separated us from the presence of God. And as he died, he said, into thy hands I commit my spirit. And he gave up his spirit unto the Father. And as he died, the grave swallowed him up. But the grave could not hold the perfect sacrifice of God. He was righteous and had no sin on him. Therefore, death had no right over him. And so he broke the power of death. So he broke the power of sin. He broke the power of death. And now it says that he went into those who were captive and he released them to restore the bridge between God and mankind and led captivity captive into the presence of God so that the kingdom of God could now be populated by us that God always wanted. It was prepared. It was planned the whole time. That's amazing. That's what it means to prepare. And Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. I want you to know that what that place is cost him everything. He loves you so much that he prepared that place for you so that you will pass out of sin and into righteousness. You will one day pass over death and into life with the Lord Jesus Christ. And you will be in that place. But that is not enough for us. Because he has now given us the ministry of preparing others. Listen, Jesus, it says he prepared a way, prepared a place. When it says he brought the low things up, he went to the depths of lowliness to find you and I. He went into the depths of our sin and our depravity. He went into the depths of addiction. He went into the depths of sexual uh, addiction and, and, and uh, drinking and alcohol and, and murder and death. He went into the depths to get you and I. And so now he's saying, I want you to prepare people to meet me. Restore the bridge. Restore what's ever left. He restored the bridge between heaven and earth. But now we have to restore the bridge between the lost and Jesus Christ. He's given us that ministry. So we have to go to the low places and raise them up. We've got to go to the high places of those who think they're this and think they're all that and bring them down. There's none righteous, no, not one. He needs us to prepare the way for salvation for these people out here. Who will make the crooked straight? We can't be preaching the straightness of God's righteousness and live a crooked life. If people are going to follow us, they're going to go the wrong way. We've got to live a holy life. We've got to live unto Christ. Are you reaching the laws? It's not good enough. I got my mansion. I'm in. There's so many believers who live like this. They got what they needed. They know where they're going. And that's enough. Is that the heart of Christ? He said, I need you to prepare others now. Make the low places even. Make the crooked places straight. Make it smooth. In other words, do whatever you can do to win someone to Christ. 
If there's something blocking them, a high place in a mountain, high places are idolatrous places. High places in the Bible is where people worship false gods. He said, make them low. If you have a friend that's worshiping an idol at some high place, it's up to you to help them make that place low. If they're in the depths of depravity or despair or hurting, bring them up, raise them up, and let them know that Jesus loves them. Jesus died for them. Jesus cares for them. This is the heart of Christ. It's the ministry. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. And now he wants you to say that to them. I am here to prepare a place for you. It's Jesus. And I want to help you bridge that gap. We can do it. We've been doing it. You've been doing it in many different ways. You don't take Bibles and smack people over the head with it. But it's a preparation. You work with them. You prepare their hearts. You talk with them. You help them. Where they're lacking, you fill it in. Where they think they got it all right, but it's wrong, you help them bring it back. That's the preparation of this work and to bring people into the kingdom that God had planned. If not, brothers and sisters, if they don't come to Christ, Their sin remains on them and they will end up in that place that was prepared for the devil and his angels. Because man is an eternal being as well. And as eternal beings, we will live forever. And sin is an ever-increasing power. The minute we die and we get out of this common grace of God, you'll see the depravity of man. You give fallen man ten weeks without God in his life, he'll become as despicable as Satan himself. All sin will end up in that container, hell. And so we've got a little bit of time for the people round about us that we must preach. I pray that you're convicted with that. I pray that you want to help prepare someone's heart for Christ. Let's bow our heads.